Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by Betsy Rothstein, who is the Daily Mirror's gossip slash media reporter. And we are going to be asking if social media has made the American media go mad. Now, uh, Betsy, I feel a little bit hypocritical sort of asking these things about the American media because I think the British media is pretty insane on social media too. But perhaps American journalists are a little bit further down the line and towards total madness in this respect. What, what, what do you think is going on? I mean, do you think American journalists are driven mad by Twitter? And give me some examples of, of what you think might be happening. Well, I mean, that's, that's what I wanted to talk to you today. I wanted to sort of get to the bottom of what is happening with, with culture. You know, why, why do people feel the need to open up so much? I mean, to the point where it makes, well, it makes me want to win. But why, why do you think, I mean, what you're talking about is people oversharing. So, so they're talking about personal stuff in their lives that they probably talk to a, maybe a therapist about in, in a kind of normal course of events, but they're actually sharing it with everybody they possibly can. But we, we, I mean, I tend to think this is quite an American habit. I mean, Americans are much more open about talking about their problems. But you find it odd that it's spread to social media in this way. Well, I, I just feel like it's, it's ramped up the last, the last several years, like in a way that shocks me, that still shocks me. Can you give me some examples of what you mean? All right. Well, you know, there were recently somebody who's like, who's pretty you know, famous on social media, who's Mike Cernovich. He's a conservative pundit, kind of health yeah. guru. You know who he is. He, he's a kind of online culture media warrior. Yeah. And he, yeah. he recently opened up about his mother's mental illness, you know, in, in pretty great detail. And then there are other people that are opening up about this one woman that works for Axios, she got drugged at the St. Regis Hotel. And so she opened up about that. And she was hailed as like a hero for doing that. In that case, I kind of agreed that it was like a good sort of warning sign for people. Yeah. You know, like just be careful. Yeah. In other, in other instances, though, I think that people are, they're trying to sort of, it's like who can have the worst? the worst life story, you know, who can have the most shocking, most atrocious thing happen in, in their life? And then let's put it out, out there for everyone to see. Is this particular, so you specialize in Washington gossip. Yeah. Is this a particularly a Washington thing? Is it to do with people trying to have this sort of status online that they think they deserve in Washington because they're, you know, movers and shakers in this very powerful, important city? I think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's trying to sort of stand out in the crowd. I think that that could mm. definitely be part of it. And also, there's something weird that happens when people are sharing such personal things. It's kind of like it becomes meaningless. You know, it's like maybe the first time someone admitted that they were depressed and went to a psych ward, like everyone was like, oh, my God, that's so shocking. I can't believe they admitted that. They're so brave. Oh, my God. And then it's like after the 20th person has done it, it's like it doesn't even mean anything anymore. And you, this, is, this is something that you think is happening. I mean, uh, and it's odd that it's happening on the right because we sort of associate it perhaps with the, the Me Too movement and the kind of snowflake 
left, yeah. if you like, that they, they kind of they believe in showing how vulnerable they are in public. But it seems yeah. to happen yeah. to right wingers who, who sort of you'd think might be against this. Right. Except the whole thing is about the brand. Right. I mean, everyone has it's such a sort of awful concept that's developed over the years. This idea that you have to develop your brand and how better to do that than open up your guts. I remember some years ago, this this um, NPR reporter sort of live tweeted his mother's death. And I thought it was the most gruesome, like uncomfortable thing to to watch. I mean, and, and people thought he was like a, a hero. They were like, oh, this is so brave of you. You're so, you know, oh my gosh, you know, we feel so sorry for you. And, and my feeling was like, oh my God, like, does, does he even have his mother's permission to do this? Like, yeah. he's just, you know, like taking pictures of her, her hospital bathroom. And I mean, it just went on and on. I mean, and, but I, I'm sort of fascinated by their reaction. They're, you know, people having all this sympathy and I feel sort of like a cold hearted person that I don't, I don't, I didn't have sympathy. I I was sort of outraged at, at his, share oversharing i'm not just saying this because i'm talking to you but I, I i think that's it's a much more human reaction for you to have because it seems i mean to think when your mother when one's mother is dying that the most natural thing to do would be to tell everybody about it in and give them a sort of running commentary is is very very odd and do you think there's something unique about twitter that makes people behave in this way is it is it twitter or is it just social media i mean is it is it, is it a broader thing I, well, I think everything. I think it's it's the medium, and I think it's the culture. Like you mentioned, the Me Too thing. You know, everyone wants to open up about their deepest, darkest secret. But but I don't know. I just like there's so much there's so much of me that feels like it's just getting so out of hand. I mean, someone admitting their depression online, or now people are admitting their abortions. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that stuff. Well, uh, and then you know, I said. That, that that that's a whole meme, isn't it? Speak your speak your abortion or or something, isn't it? It's it's a hashtag. Tell your abortion. I didn't I even know that. But yeah, but I mean it's. <laughs> I mean it's not funny, but it's kind of fun. It's 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 like. Well, it's funny how mad humor, people are. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so the CEO of uh, Twitter, Jack Dorsey, was did a TED event. I don't think it was a TED talk. It was more of a Q and A thing, recently, and he right. sort of promised that he was going to try and fix this. The madness. And I think what the people telling him that there was a sort of poisonous atmosphere on Twitter meant was they meant the kind of right wing extremism. But I think what you're talking about is a broader problem, which is that the sort of having followers and likes um, is making people mentally unstable, I think is what is what you're suggesting. Jack Dorsey suggested that perhaps there might be a fix, which might be people are saying that maybe Twitter will turn off the follower Options, so you won't see how many followers people have, or you won't see how many likes they have. I mean, for a start, I think that might ruin Twitter because that's the whole way it works. But well, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think that's just just it's like a thought. I I just don't think that's going to happen. People won't tolerate that because that's that's the whole high of it, right? That people want to be popular, they want to be shocking, and they they want to be famous for nothing or for something or. It's it's attention, right? It's just a desperation for attention. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I was talking with a, a journalist friend about that, and it's like, yeah, there's there's a part of it that's like, yeah, this is about attention, and like, who can sort of outshine the others? But I just have this feeling that there's more to it than that, you know. Just it's you know, if it was just about attention, I mean, people have always been trying to get attention, right, or become famous, and but this this sort of gives people sort of a way to be anonymous but a way to like you know also put out their worst things i think but it's interesting uh that that the president you know is obviously famous for his tweeting and yeah he's actually very good and i don't mean good in a sort of positive way i mean sort of effective on twitter because he's such a natural narcissist perhaps that he doesn't sort of feel the need to do a lot of this very strange emoting that a lot of very big Twitter users do. Right, right, right. But, I mean, he can be sort of crazy in his own way. I definitely think he's he's sort of part of this, part of this cultural shift, I think. But then, like, why is someone like Tommy Lahren seeking advice about her canker sores? I mean, it gets sort of down to that. Or, or like... Oh, you're going to have to explain that for our... You're going to have to explain <laughs> that for our British listeners. Well, Tommy Lahren is is a uh, conservative pundit, right? Right, and she's on Fox News or Fox News. She's on Fox News, yeah. And she uh, has ankle sores. <laughs> what? Canker, canker sores. What's that? Kate, is that not a British thing? Can- canker. Yeah, canker sores <laughs> are like. <laughs> I'm sorry for your listeners, but canker sores are <laughs> sores that are in your mouth, and oh, they're God. they're. they're <laughs> they're, pa- they're kind of painful. I just, I just, and... I, it had passed me by that Tommy Lahren has this problem. <laughs> but <laughs> now know. we all know. Now all our listeners know too. But now we all know. Yeah. And and so there are people, women in politics are tweeting about their bras and how they're missing them or how they want to find the right strapless bra. I mean, just, you know, in that other one that I probably can't say out loud, the one from Columbia Journalism Review, who wrote about how she was crying at at work all day and then having sex at night, and she wrote a whole story about it for Glamour. And, you know, I just, it's like, I just shudder. It's like, the the more I see it, like, I'm not imagining this phenomenon. It's it's definitely happening. But the question just is, is why? It's it's definitely happening. I think what it may be, and this is just a Thought, so tell me if I'm barking up the wrong tree, but is that yeah. it may be the uh, the death of shame. So for a long time, people have sort of oh. said that it, you're, you shouldn't really be ashamed of anything. You should be, you know, able to talk about every every problem you've had and all that sort of stuff. And now, but you should be. I feel like well, you should be ashamed you of your ashamed of your of mouth ulcers. <laughs> oh my god, this one I thought was so ridiculous. So sometimes it's just sort of like you were saying earlier about the sort of ego egotistical nature of Washington. So there's this guy that's Times editor at large, and I can't pronounce his name very well, but his name is Anand, maybe you can help me, Gary Derhadas. Sounds right to me. And I'm sure I just screwed that up. But anyway, he used to work for the New York Times. Anyway, now he works, he's Times editor at large. He goes on Morning Joe a lot. So he's like a quote unquote big deal. And I'm being sarcastic. And he, you know, he goes on the Acela, which is the fancy train between D.C. and New York. And he was 
he, you know, tried to order a hot dog and the attendant person laughed at him. And so he wrote up this whole thing on Twitter about how the attendant on the Isela mean laughed at him, quote unquote, mean laughs at him and how you know, he could have eaten 70 hot dogs by the time, you know, and, the, and the, the person was like, you're almost in D.C. Why are you eating this crap food when you're almost in a place where you can get normal food? And so he was all offended and angry and decided to share this whole thing, you know, with the world. And uh, he came off as the biggest idiot. But that's what your blog uh, does so brilliantly. I think it's uh, like pricks the absurd pomposity of all these Washington journalists. But it seems that it doesn't matter yeah, how yeah. much you tell them, even on, other people will say it on social media, they, they go into, perhaps because of Twitter, they go into these sort of tunnels where they can't see how mad they're being. Right, right. I mean, like, there was another example where Frank Ungar, probably going to screw up his name too, but... Uh, the, the, you know yeah, the, he, is, he does the, a TV um, show, The Young Turks, or that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has a really annoying personality to begin with. He's just sort of loud and obnoxious. And so he goes to the airport and gets in a huge fight with the like one an airline person because his flight is delayed. And he does this whole like like video thing about it and tweeting and and then they threw him off the plane. They're like, you know, F this. F this guy, you know. And how do you think it will get better, Betsy? I mean, what what is there any way it will get better? Well, I think it's interesting what you were saying about the death of shame. I mean, what happens after the death of shame? I mean, maybe maybe it flips at some point. Maybe shame comes back. Yeah. Maybe shame should come back. Yeah. Well, so that would be that would be the only only solution is for people to feel ashamed again. I mean, I, I think it would be a step in the right direction. Yeah. Well. Betsy, I hope you can join us again and we can talk about the rebirth of shame next time. Thanks, Betsy.